Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from James and Betty Robison. James and Betty were married in 1963, and since then, as a team, they've helped millions of people make a decision to follow Christ. The two have made the gospel available to countless lives through speaking events and, most notably, through television and the Life Outreach International Ministry. Their most recent focus has been in Africa, providing basic needs to the impoverished. Let's dive into the message. I'm James Robinson, and uh, Betty is, is here at my side. Now, let me just say this to you. Uh, we're about to begin a, a little bit of a, let's say, a, an addition to the journey we're on, in that you're going to be seeing Betty and me quite a bit like this. I, uh, I want you to know that Betty is uh, seated beside me because she's the greatest expression of Jesus in my life apart from the Holy Spirit. And uh, she's going to be sharing as, as God leads her to, but she knows that I feel like I'm supposed to just to really, now, now listen to me, I'm supposed to do my best to help get God's arms around you and let you know just how special and how precious you are to Him and how much he loves you. And Betty, I'm excited about the river of life and love that I believe is gonna be flowing freely, even when we just have these times together with the word of God. And uh, it may call a little bit more for your very, uh, let's say apt attention and focus. So you be sure and you listen up today so you'll understand what I'm talking about, but I'm excited about it. I am too, and and like James said, I'm here to be an encouragement to him and what God has put on his heart. And there will be some, times when I might just pop in and say something that God's put on my heart, but mainly just to encourage him and to encourage you. You've been such a blessing to us in all the mission endeavors that we've had. You've been faithful and we want to reward you in a way that we want you to hear what God has put on our heart, that it might be an encouragement, a challenge, and something to just let you be strong in the Lord and to say, I can do all things through Christ and I can go out there and be a, an example for him. So thank you for joining us. And I know you're going to be blessed what God's put on James's heart. Yeah, I want to, I want to just uh, remind you that, that you have put God's arms of love around people all over the world. Now that's all of you who've not only watched and prayed for us, but you've become a part of what we're doing. And I'm praying that literally million, many, many people will join you, your friends and other Christians, so that we can actually get God's arms around the world that he loves and pull them up close to his heart through Christ. I, I want to share with you what it is that brought us into this family room setting. It was nearly 25 years ago that God spoke to me. Now, in case you didn't know about where I lived for the first uh, 25 years or um, 30 years, maybe close to 35 years of my ministry, it was in stadiums and coliseums, maybe large churches, dedicated many of the largest churches 
in America of different denominations, evangelical strong churches, and I was busy preaching to tens of thousands of people, sometimes uh, 25 or 30,000, and several times there were crowds of over a million. So I was busy going from place to place, and then Betty, God said something to us that people didn't understand. You know, Billy and Graham and I were very close friends. I was a very close friend with Dr. Jerry Falwell, with many of the very famous pastors, and even those you've seen on television later, we were close, and they didn't understand why it was that all of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm seated by Betty, most of the time we're seated in just like family room chairs. How is it that you did that? Now now listen to me and I'm gonna tell you because this, this, this brought us together. This is what birthed this. Like I said, about a quarter of a century ago, the Lord put on my heart that we were to call the family, his family in the family room and help them get to know the father. Now on this journey, we've come to understand even more clearly that we have a perfect father. And if we will behave like that perfect father directs us and the savior that gave his life that we might be born from above and then sent another of the same kind, the Holy Spirit to live in us. Think about this. Jesus said, I'm sending another one just like me to live in you. Now, I'm going to leave, but I won't leave you alone. I'm with you, I'm in you, and I can overflow you with the spirit of love and joy and peace and all the fruit of the spirit. So we understand that. And what God showed me is that when we call the family into the family room to get to know the Father, then the family begins to express the very nature of the Father. And Jesus in us will actually give us the mind of Christ. Now, let's just get honest. Too often we don't have the mind of Christ. Too often we have not presented our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which Paul said that's our reasonable service in Romans 12, verse 1. And he said, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know, and I don't miss this, that you may know the good, acceptable, and even the perfect will of God. We can have the mind of Christ. What we're going to be seeking to do, and every guest that we have, we're going to be on that journey right now to help you move into the fullness of God's life and His love and begin to fulfill, allow kingdom purpose, His kingdom purpose, to be fulfilled through you, but understanding that it has to be a family. He actually referred to us as his body with all the individual parts essential, all of them fitting rightly together, submitted to the head. And he is the head. It's not some church boss. It's not some dictator. He has gifted people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and, and teachers. He's given us these gifted ones, and he's given us people to inspire us in the journey. But he is saying that we are to be a healthy body submitted to his lordship, his headship, and then we can literally express his life in love, get his arms around a broken world that he gave his son to redeem. What God wants to do is bring the body parts into proper alignment with all the unique diversity, all of us coming together submitted to the head. But there's another picture. We're also a family. And this is the church through which he reveals himself to the world. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, I want you to really understand something. Jesus did not leave us here on this earth to get us out of here. The eternal purpose of God is not to get us out of here and into heaven. The eternal purpose of God is to bring him in to this literal setting where the trespasser, the deceiver, the destroyer, the murderer, the father of lies too often is prevailing. 
And he says, this power will not prevail over my church, the body of believers united together in supernatural unity, submitted to the head. We can overcome the adverse negative effects of the enemy. In this lifetime, there'll be no gates of hell in the next kingdom. The gates of hell are here now. And Jesus said they are not to prevail against my church. That means that we don't have to give our family to the deceiver. We don't have to allow the destroyer to come in and tear up our marriages, tear up our family. We can allow the father to give us a healthy family. Now, if you don't know my journey, I'm the product of a forced sexual relationship, a rape imposed on a hospice-type 40-year-old nurse in a home raped by the alcoholic son of the elderly man. My mother, in those circumstances, having never had a child, tried to have me aborted. A doctor, think about this, looked at that woman in her desperate situation and said no. I've had people respond to my testimony and say, how awful of that doctor to make that woman go home and have that baby. That's not what that doctor did. He didn't have that authority. She was asking for help that he could have provided and there are circumstances that most people say, well, you know, you should have gotten rid of the child. Here's what happened when that doctor said what he did. I can't do that. Evidently, he saw potential and possibilities. Now you listen closely to what I'm saying. The only way we're gonna overcome the horrible effect of abortion, ripping babies now out of the womb, even now we're being told all the way up to the moment of birth, dear God, and even after. You cannot hardly imagine we get to that point. But here's what leads us to that place. Once life, innocent life, precious life is no longer worthy of our protection and is not seen as precious beyond words, in need of care we're gonna to continue to devalue every life. And you can see that happening already. And it's very, very sad. We don't want anyone interfering with our lifestyle and our habits and our practices. All right, now, now watch this. My mother, as a result of what that doctor did, sat down and prayed. And she said when she prayed, she heard God say, have this baby and this baby will bring joy to the world. Now, if you've heard my story, I've said, well, she assumed I'd be a girl named me Joy. After I was born, thank God, she named me James and then put an ad in the paper and someone came and got me, tried to adopt me. Then, now, some of you have heard this, but many of you haven't. She came when I was five and drug me out from under the bed and we hitchhiked from Houston to Austin where I lived 10 years in total poverty. No father, no family. But something incredible happened to me. I got to go back and visit the couple that had me when I was little, and it was a pastor and his wife. During that visit, the young people gave their testimonies, and they led me to Jesus. I gave my life to Christ that night. When I went back home, I was a different person. Shortly after that, my alcoholic father came back into our lives. Hard to imagine how that happened, but he turned our broken life into hell on earth. He tried to kill my mother, said he was going to kill me, and I nearly killed him in self-defense. Thank God I didn't. I left that broken home then. He went to prison. I went back to be with the pastor and his wife. I met this girl next to me. We fell in love, and we got married. And it's been 56 years in our journey. Now listen to me. We have 
three children. One of them's in heaven. And let me just say this to you. When we launched our Robin after 40 years of his glory on her and in her life, you, the family, put your arms of love around us in prayer and you carried us. And by the way, let me tell you in the next weeks, one of the things we're going to be doing is helping you understand the power of God's healing, divine enabling to help us deal with challenges and diseases and brokenness. And even when we don't see the miracle that our hearts long for, we're going to help you understand how we walk through that together in amazement. Also, how to heal broken hearts. You helped heal our broken heart. I find myself wondering, when we lost Robin, if we hadn't been coming in the family room with people like you, how would we have endured it? See, what I want you to know is that we come into your home every day to be a blessing to you and to inspire you in such a way that the love and life of God flows through you like a river. That's what we've been doing. I think it's very important today as I move toward the close of this session right now, telling you that we're going to be spending a tremendous amount of time just in the Word, I want to show you what God said to me. I'm sitting with our leadership core of our staff, and they're seated around like a boardroom, you know, conference table. And there's a chair over in the corner. And God made me look at that chair while the others are sitting here, you know, talking about important things. And God said, you go over there and sit down in that chair and you sit at my feet and you listen to me and you become a servant and you're going to see more lives changed and transformed than you ever saw as a stadium crusade spokesman and preacher. And I'm just stunned. And boy, did I know I had just heard God. And I said to all my leadership team, God just told me I'm going to be a servant. And he said very specifically, greatest in the kingdom his servant. His disciples came to him and in a pretty lengthy discussion in Mark 10, two of the primary disciples, James and John, wanted to know if they could seat, be seated on his right and left hand in the final kingdom. Just how self-serving and seeking can you get? And Jesus said something to them that is very, very important for us to get. Now here they are having this discussion. Now listen to what Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 10. You know those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. Now that's verse 42 in uh, Mark chapter 10. But listen to what he said to his disciples, these highest level disciples. But it's not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant reaffirming greatest in the kingdom is servant. The Lord said, James, I want you to be a servant. And you know what we've been doing? For the last 25 years, we've been serving people all over the world that had never been noticed. We've been serving missions. And when I say we, not just me and Betty, we do it together. When I say we, it's we the people of God. It's we the family of God who won't express the love and life of the Father. We have been saving millions of lives from death through our feeding programs, through drilling water wells. Now, here's what you need to see. The proclamation of the gospel is going out in all these areas too, but it's going out first in deed before it goes out in word. We're letting people see the power of the transforming grace of God through the gospel. 
and the spiritual rebirth. We're letting them see love in action. So then they hear the message that brings that love and releases that love. That's the gospel. That's the transforming power of the gospel. And we're doing it as servants. We are serving even the spokesmen, not only the missionaries and relief workers, but those who are proclaiming the gospel. And that's one of the questions Paul asked when he said they can't believe unless they hear and they got to hear the gospel. But how are they going to hear unless somebody's preaching and how are they going to go preach unless they're sent? The bottom line in reaching people for Christ is the servant who sends them. That's what you've become. We have literally moved from touching thousands and thousands of people and winning tens of thousands to Christ to winning millions to Christ, to seeing millions of lives saved. How did we do it? We did it as a family of believers. We literally reached out together and did the impossible. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like James and Betty Robison. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.